Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Inventors Groups of America Inventors Online. Uh, very excited to be uh, the presenter, the speaker of the night. I've got a killer presentation for you guys, and I'm super honored to be back again giving a great presentation on artificial intelligence. This is a big one here. There's a lot to uh, discuss and get over. Um, I've got a bunch of slides to show you. It's going to be a little bit interactive as well for those of you who are at your computer. Uh, and yeah, with that said, Stephen, um, do you have a couple words you'd like to say before we start? Well, thank you very much, Courtney. I just want to say, first of all, welcome back, Courtney. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. We're so happy to have you back. You guys, Courtney has a great presentation um, for all of us today. I'm here because I want to learn new things too. And what's really great about tonight's presentation is Courtney's on the cutting edge of what's new, right? And she's always trying to make us better at inventing. And so I'm really happy to be here. I'm a fan. Courtney, I'm going to listen because I want to learn. So I'm going to let you take it from here. So thank you very much. Perfect. Sounds good. Let me go ahead and share my screen. Okay, excellent. So uh, today's presentation is on ChatGPT, AI art, and the magical powers of artificial intelligence for product development. I will note before I uh, uh, jump over and ask you guys a couple questions, I will say that this background was generated by an AI art program called Crayon. Uh, I did type into the prompt cool geometric turquoise background and it uh, propagated a bunch of different ones. And so I picked one and just to uh, kickstart it off, uh, you can see that the background image uh, was created by AI. So before we get into it here, I've got a couple questions for the audience. Uh, let me actually go ahead and just so I can see your guys's um, hands, raise your hand uh, for those of you who are not in the car here. Um, how many people have used ChatGPT? Specifically ChatGPT, raise your hand. Okay. Yep. Excellent. Okay. Wonderful. And put those hands down. Uh, and then how many of you guys have used any type of AI art program, any type of image, photo, uh, prompt, word to art image? Okay. Yep. Excellent. Okay. And then raise your hand if you have not dealt with any of any kind of artificial intelligence stuff at all. Like you're new to it. You want to get into it. Keep those hands raised. Excellent. We've got a fair amount of a mixed group here. Wow. Awesome. Okay. That is really good to know. So uh, you guys can put your hands down uh, with this presentation. Um, this is more going to be a timeless presentation, so it's moving really, really fast, uh, and it's going to be very hard to have a presentation in general when just in it. In fact, I did this last month, and I made about 15 changes uh, to the presentation uh, just from a month uh, difference uh, for the presentation, so uh, it's going pretty fast for sure, um, and so uh, I made this uh quite timeless. It's very extensive. At the very end, I'm going to have a little, um, have you never dealt with it before? How do you even start messing with this? Uh, there's going to be a lot of advanced conversations that we're going to be having in this presentation. So please wait till the end if you are totally new and want to just start and uh, to not get too overwhelmed with the material here. Uh, I spent probably over 50 hours worth of research uh, into this presentation. Um, as well as looked at a lot of different courses. And I will say there is a fair amount of information missing from those courses to just understand how the technology actually works. Uh, I made this very succinct and so you can watch it again and again. Um, and with that said, 
I will say that my philosophy personally is if you're going to use a tool, I think it's important to understand how it works so you can be efficient with it. Uh, and so you don't spend so much time trying to just make it work. Uh, we want to make sure this is not our next sticking point in the process. We want to be efficient with it. As all tools are, there is always good and bad. The internet is not good or bad. It's good and bad. So uh, this is just one tool. There are many tools that we use. So with that said, I'll go ahead and start the presentation here. Okay, so for those of you who are not familiar, um, these are images that are created by uh, AI, by artificial intelligence. Uh, a really good database is lexica.art. At any time, I'm going to bring up lots of different links. Feel free to uh, pause as you're listening and go to any of these links. Lexica.art instead of .com is a phenomenal database of website, which I'll show you in a second, uh, where you can actually search for AI-generated images. Uh, it's definitely the, the top database I have seen so far, um, and it's really phenomenal how uh, artistic, uh, creative, how detailed these images are. So there's many different ways we can use AI for product development. Just on the right, there's a couple different things that we can use it for. Uh, art images, we'll get into AI voiceovers for promo videos, for your products, for your sell sheets, an AI person speaking into a video, change your help creating copy with um, chat bots we'll get into, practicing conversations, getting familiar with phone calls and how to role play, uh, get advice and solve problems. You can also make 3D models. However, they're still pretty in the early ages. Uh, if you guys are interested in that, I mentioned there's uh, four down there. Katum and Point E are probably the most popular that I've found. Um, still pretty early though. I wouldn't mess with it too much myself yet. It's just not there yet. And remember that these are creative tools that you can use as a creative. This is not replacing you. This is a your your next uh, uh, update, so to speak. <laughs> and then also think about your pain points. Uh, so with that said, I'm going to show you guys a couple programs here. Uh, there's I'm going to bring up Crayon at first, and I recommend all of you guys, especially those of you who are not familiar with artificial intelligence, go to Crayon right now. Crayon, C-R-A-I-Y-O-N. I'm going to see if I can bring this up a little bit bigger. This is what the website looks like. Uh, it's You don't need to create an account, so it's very easy to mess with already. Feel free to try this right now. I just have a prompt that I threw in there to show you guys what um, this program is made of. It's very quick. Um, this is uh, different in that it creates nine images. Normally, a program will create one image uh, at a time. Sometimes it'll create up to two or four. Um, this is uh, Crayon. It's on version three right now. So the prompt that I put in was beautiful exploding light bulb, comma, artistic. It usually creates, uh, takes about a minute to uh, load these nine. Um, and so I'll, I'll let that load for a second. You guys can see just with this one prompt, all I'm doing is just putting in a set of words. And then off of those words, it's going to go through a database, which I'll get into, uh, to uh, create images off of that prompt. With this version three, it also created a section for negative words. Uh, so that means if you wanted a beautiful exploding light bulb artistic, but maybe you didn't want the light bulb to be red. Okay, so you can put in red light bulb there. Or maybe you don't want a black background. So maybe you put um, black background in that negative word space. Uh, and then it'll go ahead and make sure that whatever you put in the negative words is not there. 
So these are the images they came up with just off of that one prompt. That's a very simple prompt. I'd probably be a little bit more technical with that um, if I were to use that purposeful for business or whatnot. These are the ones that it came up with right off the bat. Obviously, it's pretty fast there. It took about a minute. You can always click on the different images to make them larger as well. This is a very basic, simple program that you guys can use for free without logging in. I really like this because it shows many variations very quickly and there's no fuss. You can just get into it right now and do it and play with it. You can't get quicker into the game than using Crayon. This is a good catcher. Like, wow, this is cool. I want to do more though. Can I get higher quality? Can I get, you know, deal with different bots? Yes, absolutely. And this brings me to Lexica. Lexica is one of the ones that I use personally. It is very high quality. It is free. You get a certain amount of credits, which I will go into a little bit later. Uh, it also has the negative prompt uh, there as well. It is um, also very quick um, and it shows four images. This is one of the most up-to-date high quality um, ones that you can get. So you can compare these, how, how much higher quality they are compared to Crayon. And they're also in a slightly different style as well. Like I said before, Lexica can also be used as a database. Um, so I'm in Generate right now, but if you want to home, um, you could go ahead and uh, search. It's a search engine for them. And you can always type in different things to see if people have already generated uh, images. Here's some examples you can see real fast just off of text that created these words or these uh, images. And then uh, the last thing that I'll show here is ChatGPT, which we're going to go ahead and get into a little bit later on in the presentation. Uh, this is not AI art. So there's two main points that we're going to come across today. There's going to be uh, in relation to the images, the text-to-image based models, and then we're going from text to text. So this is the most popular one, ChatGPT. For those of you who are not familiar, I created a prompt at the bottom here to just give you guys an example of what it could come up with. My prompt is give me very uh, give me a very descriptive how-to play instructions for a new award-winning board game involving skateboards and cats, including how many players, playtime, type of game, name of game, and exact in-depth game mechanics. Think about why this would not be a great game to play. And uh, off of those answers, revise the gameplay to make it solve those problems. Uh, let me go ahead and refresh that and then run that, and I'll show you guys... Um, what it came up with. I really enjoy making uh, games and toys off of this because it's incredibly extensive. This is also a really good way to get into ChatGPT because you can see what it truly is capable of. thinking here it's reading the uh, description it's going to put it out in a second she usually did not take that long so for now i'm going to go ahead and just let that run um and i'll show you guys one more thing as that's going which is agent gpt this is a whole new thing as of march uh, and it's pretty phenomenal. Um, I'm not going to get too into this because it's a whole other discussion, but just so you guys are aware of uh, what the capabilities are, um, I typed in a name, marketing my brand, and goal. These are now goals. This is still a prompt. 
and this is still in the copy text to text. The goal is come up with a marketing plan for a product licensing business where you pitch ideas to the world's largest companies and have a high success rate in getting licensing deals. What's cool about this is it uh, goes ahead and gives itself tasks, trying to figure out um, what tasks that it needs to give off of your uh, goal. So you can see here, I'll just show you the tasks and then we'll move on. The current task is analyze the industries and markets of the world's largest companies to identify potential licensing opportunities using data-driven insights and predictive modeling. That's the first task that it gave itself off of our goal. As it's doing that, next it's going to do the next task, develop personalized pitches for each identified opportunity, highlighting the unique benefits and value proposition of the licensing deal. And then the last one here is utilize natural language processing and sentiment analysis techniques to optimize the language and delivery of the pitch for each prospective client, increasing the likelihood of success. Uh, this is super new and, and quite wild. Sadly, this is still in uh, beta mode and you can easily just type an agent GPT and, and mess with it, but it will eventually time itself out uh, because it can only give you so much with this uh, free mode here. Looks like that is still working. So we'll let that uh, continue to work there as we move on with the presentation. So you can see just how quality these images are with just simple prompts through Lexica. All right, let's go ahead and get into it here. Uh, this is the wordiest part of the presentation. I'll just briefly explain a couple of these and you guys can feel free to go through it later on your own time. Uh, what is artificial intelligence? Making computers do things that traditionally require human intelligence to do. What is AI art? Uh, AI art is any art uh, work, particularly images and musical compositions created through the use of artificial intelligence programs such as text image models and musical generators. So uh, what I just showed you guys is AI art. Uh, this is text to image is what we're talking about here, which is when a user gives any caption or image on this tool, which is what I just did. Um, and it will correspond your request to a vast collection of photograph databases that refer to various objects and landscapes as a form of vision data sets. Holy cow. So we're getting into the weeds here talking about the actual definitions of all of these. Uh, and we'll get a little bit into generative models as well. Um, very, very fascinating how they work. We'll just briefly touch on it on the next slide of how stable diffusion works. So take a look at that. Um, what's important about that is the data sets that they're trained on. So most often they're uh, trained by um, a data set from a company called Lion. L-A-I-O-N. Very fascinating to look into that company as well. Of course, the bot is only as good as its data set. So data sets are incredibly important. Uh, hugging face. So hugging face uh, is not very important if you're not going to use stable diffusion uh, on Google Colab. So uh, this also gets a little bit technical. If you're new here, just kind of uh, ignore this hugging face Google Colab space. If you're like, I want to get you know, all in the know, I really want to understand how this works to the best of my ability. It's going to be important to create a free hugging face account um, because uh, you need tokens to run stable diffusion on Google Colab, which is run on Google Drive. Uh, so, uh, yeah, tools that enable users to build, train and uh, deploy uh, the models based on open source code and technologies. Um, and we'll get down into Google Colab, which is a data uh analysis and machine learning tool that allows you to combine code 
um, uh, along with charts, images, HTML uh, into a single document stored in Google Drive. So again, if you guys are not familiar with Google Colab in Hugging Face and the AI world, you can just uh, ignore that for now. Elsewise, if you're getting more advanced into it, that'll probably be your next step to run Stable Diffusion on your Google Colab uh, through Google Drive. And then uh, you will also need uh, Discord as well if you're going to be running MidJourney, which we'll talk about in a second. The last thing I've got on here before we move on is what is ChatGPT, which is what it was uh, running up there a second ago. Um, it is Chat Generative Pre-Trained Transformer, which uh, I, there's going to be a quiz at the end here. I'm going to have to remember that, that acronym exactly. Uh, it's a natural language processing tool driven by AI technology that allows you to have human-like conversations. So now that we've got some of those definitions out of the way, let's talk a little bit about how it works. So we're going to just focus on the art right now. So there are four types of generative models. You can see on the left there, um, there are four different versions. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about diffusion models. So diffusion models are producing tools that enable users to create almost any image they can imagine. At a high level, diffusion models work by destroying training data by adding noise, which you can see here, original image, some noise added, noising uh, process completed, and then learn to recover the data by reversing this noising process. Diffusion models can generate coherent images from noise. So diffusion models train by adding noise to images, which the model then learns how to remove. And then again, we got lay on there. So you can see it's created the noise process. Now from that noise image, it's going to uh, try to recreate the image and it's gonna show different variations off of that through the noise generation. That is in and of itself how diffusion models work by adding noise and then removing noise. Okay, so these are the most popular programs. Uh, the ones in bold are the ones that you guys will be most fascinated by because they are the ones that I use myself. Um, so we're going to focus again on text to image models slash programs. Uh, a lot of this development started in 2010, but of course it started to get popular in 2022. So I'm a big fan of open source. Uh, there's a big conversation there of like what is open source and why is it good and bad. Open source allows the code to be available and to be freely used and edited to be made better and used in different ways by everyone. If something has open source code and you have the skills to manipulate the code, you are fully legally allowed to. This helps it get better and is incredibly important. I'm a big fan of open source code because it's up to us what we want to do with it. There are a lot of programs that are not open source. So for example, if you guys are familiar with Dolly 2, uh, that is not open source. Uh, Dream Studio is open source and there's different ways that the images can be created. So I'll go through a couple of these here. Dream Studio uses stable diffusion. It is open source. Dolly 2 uses diffusion and something else called Clip. It's not open source. Uh, open source doesn't matter too much um, if you guys don't know how to code and you're not going to like get into that. And it's not that big of a deal. Then, yeah, it's, it's probably not as relevant to you, except for the fact that programs that are not open source are most often going to be paid programs. Not always, but most often. So we want to start with a lot of the free programs first to see if this is something we even want to move forward with and, and continue messing with. And then and so we can decide if we want to pay for a program. However, this technology is moving so incredibly fast that almost any program you go with at this point 
free or paid is going to be phenomenal. So in that respect, and in the respect of talking about open source, I would actually recommend trying a lot of different programs and not paying for it as much as you possibly can until you find a program you really, really enjoy. And even then so, because updates are constantly moving forward, hopefully it continues to get better, but I'd recommend trying not to get too focused on one particular program. I use Crayon uh, definitely myself. It used to be called Dolly Mini, um, and it is open source. I also use Dream by Wombo. Um, and you can you can tell what kind of uh, uh, method it uses. Again, it is open source. Midjourney is probably the most known and popular. It is a commercial diffusion model. You often have to pay for it, and it is not open source. I'm going to get a little bit into that later as well of, of why I actually don't use Midjourney myself. Uh, and then I also use Stable Diffusion on my own account, like I was talking about with Hugging Face and that whole deal to getting those, those tokens. I run my own bot on my own Google Drive through Google Colab. So that's why this is very cool of how we can just have our own bot very easily and be able to, to run it um, with the data set already combined with it. You don't have to deal with credits or anything for that matter. A lot of them you do, and then you have to pay for credits. Google Colab, you don't. And then there's Lexica, Lexica Aperture, which is what I showed you guys before. Um, it does use uh, Stable Diffusion, and it is that search engine I was talking about. Okay, now that we've gotten to AI art, let's uh, take a stroll through the text-to-text, -text, which is we're going to focus on ChatGPT. So ChatGPT is one of the programs. There are many others with one of the most uh, uh, common competitors being Bard, of course. Uh, there's also ChatSonic, Jasper, OpenAI Playground, and many, many more. This is what ChatGPT looks like here. And speaking of that, let's just check on our chat here. And it looks like it's still um, uh, might be a little bit gun shy since we're, you know, I'm having a, a conversation here with so many people. Um, and that's okay. I'll just uh, uh, refresh it. We'll come back to that uh, uh, yet again. So it is only trained by data through September 2021. So right now that's a, a big flaw um, where BARD is constantly uh, active. But that uh, BARD uses a very different system of getting its data. So we'll talk about that. Uh, it's a conversation. This is what blew my mind the most when I first started using ChatGPT. It is a conversation like a friend. It's going to remember what you said before. So if you said, give me 10 names for my business, and then you explain your business, and it shows 10 names, then you can go ahead and say, okay, I liked number three, number seven, and number 10. Can you combine those, but also add some type of, you know, triangle to it? Okay, it's going to go ahead and do that. It's going to pull from that information it said before, and it's going to, to, uh, give you more names. You can keep running prompts from that conversation and continue it. It's going to remember that whole conversation so it can pull data and and keep it, it going. Where if you just use like Google and you type in a question, you're going to get a bunch of, you know, answers in Google as you scroll through Google. If you type in a new, you know, search term, it's going to have a new conversation, so to speak. This is one entire long conversation and you get to start different conversations as you're uh, going through ChatGPT. Uh, so uh, there's lots of different ways that we can utilize it. You can ask it for help with motivation and lifestyle changes to help you be a more efficient uh, product developer, help you find time, etc. Like we were saying before, you can practice uh, phone calls. Uh, you can help it write your script for um, uh, 
for uh, promo videos, which I use it for a lot myself now. Uh, you can help with your benefits, your OSBS, better copy. Uh, you can see there's many more there, prior art searching as well. Um, hit list, we'll get into those in a, a little bit later here too. Um, and then other tasks as well that you normally outsource to a virtual assistant, you can have it do. Uh, and then different ways to make your product better, which I'll show you guys an example of it uh, uh, right here. So for those of you who are interested in how it works, I'm just going to leave this up for a good 10 seconds so you guys can come back to it uh, in the recording. These are the three steps of how ChatGPT works and is trained. It's a really simple, easy way to, to understand it if you follow each of those three steps. Um, and if you um, like this kind of uh, uh, example here, feel free to, to read through it and, and get a good uh, understanding of this uh, in the recording. ChatGPT versus BARD. So because BARD is becoming more popular, this is one of the things that I added uh, recently just from the past month of the presentation, adding in so much new stuff uh, since I last did this. Uh, these are the big, most important differences with ChatGPT and BARD. I personally prefer ChatGPT. Now, this presentation, I'm going to give you a lot of my own personal opinions, and this is just strictly my own way of how I do it. So you always want to use critical thinking and think about what makes sense for you with what you're doing. Uh, of course, ChatGPT was created by OpenAI. BARD was created by Google. They use very different language models. Uh, the biggest difference I've found is the data set um, that it's trained on. So ChatGPT only has data it's collected since September 2021. It's basically offline. It has that data. That's, that's data that is ready to be used at any given time up until 2021. Where BARD takes ongoing data from the web. So it's kind of, in a way, connected to, to Google. It's constantly looking to help answer that uh, question or that inquiry that you have. I would recommend using both and trying them, um, but I personally uh, prefer using a ChatGPT. Of course, there's also biases and limitations, and we'll get into that. Uh, um, I have a whole slide talking about that. But you're always going to have biases no matter what, because data is always going to be biased, because the people who are putting in the data are humans, and humans are always going to be biased. So there's a bias of data with ChatGPT because it's off of data. And then, of course, bias of the internet, just in general, of, of your query, what you're asking, it's going to give you a bias answer back. So let's talk about prompt writing. Prompt engineering is becoming the new uh, major to uh, get into. Um, this is a whole new area. You can hire hundreds, probably thousands of people now just to help you prompt engineer. Think of it like this. Good input, good output. Garbage in, garbage out. The information that ChatGPT is going to give you is only as good as what you are giving it to feed off of. So if you got a really bad response, it's probably because you put in a really bad prompt. Now, again, there are lots of biases and limitations, absolutely. But most of the time, whatever you put in and you're like, wow, ChatGPT, you know, I'm, I'm not such a fan of like, that was a really bad answer. Take a look at your prompt. Let's see how good that prompt really was and redo it to see if we can make that answer a little bit better. There are lots of different conversations around prompt engineering. Holy cow, this is what I've learned from just the snippets of information that I could grab that were the most important that I found. It's best to write as if you are speaking to another person. It's good to ask open-ended questions. It's really excellent to include background information, as much information as you can provide it. Um, about you know the context of what you're trying to ask. 
Of course, the response is proportional to uh, the prompt here, like I just mentioned. Uh, trying using colons, I'll show you an example here, um, is was really helpful. So what am I doing? I want them to create a bird product. What is the goal? Well, I want the product to teach birds a larger vocabulary without me actually having to constantly repeat words to my parrot. Uh, the type, what type of product, a product that involves electronics, isn't too expensive to make, has fewer than five main components, and is smaller than a bread box. I thought I'd, I'd sneak that in there from uh, uh, 20 questions there. Uh, it can learn uh, your style if you have one as a product developer. So here's an example. For this entire chat, only come up with product ideas that involve no electronics, are no larger than five inches by five inches, and could be easily sold for a large audience such as consumers who shop at Walmart, Target, and Bed Bath & Beyond. And then I have a phenomenal video there that you guys can uh, take a look at and, and type in or take a photo of or look at the recording for how to create uh, good prompts there as well. It's also important to be very specific and make sure that the question you're asking is uh, you believe is really going to generate uh, a proper answer here that you are looking for. Let's see if we can run this again. Here we go. All right. So you guys remember the prompt that I initially put in. You guys can take a look at um, what it's coming up with. This was just that paragraph. I tried to be as specific as I could of exactly what I wanted it to do. And you guys can take a look at what it's creating. So the game is called Skate Cat. It's an action-packed board game that combines skateboarding and cats. The game is designed for two to four players, ages eight and up. Let me scroll back up here. Average play time of 30 minutes. To begin the game, players must choose a skateboard and a cat character card. Each cat has its own unique special ability that players can use during the game. It mentions an objective. It talks about what the uh, game board would look like with various obstacles and challenges. It talks about game mechanics. It mentions, as I said, come up with issues of the game, and it did. Make it not ideal for some players. For one, the game heavily relies on luck, as players must roll the dice to determine how far they can move on their turn. Additionally, some players may find the cat-themed aspect of the game to be unappealing. So to address these issues, hilarious, one possible revision to the game mechanics could be to include more opportunities for strategic decision-making, such as allowing players to choose which obstacles to tackle or which catnip tokens to collect. Additionally, it could be um, include different types of skateboarding tricks, which would add more variety to the gameplay and make it less reliant on luck. This is off of one prompt, you guys. One prompt. This whole entire thing. And remember, this is a conversation. So if I went and said, give me clear instructions on how to play the game. Now, we'll, we'll stop it at here, but basically it's going to now give me a step-by-step -step where I could potentially playtest it. Uh, and this is a conversation, so I don't need to redo the prompt and copy and paste everything it did. I just said, give me clear instructions, and it's going to read what it said. And it's going to go ahead and show you how to play it. This is really endless to your creativity. So let's say you go through this and you change a bunch of things. You figure out what you think makes sense, what doesn't. You figure out the gameplay you want. You put it in and say, okay, great. Thank you very much. I edit it to this. Now, off of these new instructions that I created off of what ChatGPT created, let's say I love this, but skateboarding and cats, mm, not a fan of. What if I just said, now make the game hat-themed? And then, of course, it's going to do the entire thing uh, over again. It looks like that, that was actually a pretty, uh... oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, so hat-themed version of Skate Cat. So now it's going to, uh, I definitely needed to have a much better prompt than that. As you can see, some of this is still talking about some uh, skateboarding uh, stuff here. But obviously, you can mess with themes, and you can just continue going on and on. Um, and it's, uh, it can be definitely uh, addicting, for sure. 
go back to the presentation here. So now you, that you guys get a little bit more of a feel of ChatGPT and the capabilities of it, and we learned a little bit about prompt engineering, now let's go ahead and see um, some of the things that it came up with. So I tried that colon technique of what goal and type, and this is what it came up with. Um, it is a bird vocabulary trainer. This product could consist of, and then it talks about um, the five components that I asked it to only hit five, talks about what it's made of, and then it talks about how it would work, the idea behind this device, and then you guys can take a look at that and see um, how it works um, off of that one concept it came up with. I took that and I said, great, now give me a list of 10 companies with links to the website that make bird products with electronics in them. So before even moving forward with the product, I'm going to see if there's even companies in this space. Birds are a niche, uh, it's a small pet. It's in the small pet category. That's a very niche area. So is it even worth it to attempt something like that before even seeing like if those components make sense or if I should even do any development at all further? So it gave me 10 here. However, I found a flaw that was my fault. This is where I fell short. I casted too wide of a net. I should have said pet bird. You can see some of these companies here are talking about exotic birds. So this is definitely my mistake. I'm talking about parrots and, and pets for you to train with, with those who have uh, particular language capabilities. A lot of wild birds do not. Uh, so it was already going to be an inaccurate uh, example here. So um, what's interesting about this is it made me think of a whole nether area that I hadn't thought of. Could this product that I was envisioning for pet birds be possibly used for exotic birds? Is there another market that I hadn't uh, thought of before because of that mistake? I've made so many mistakes with learning how to properly use ChatGPT that it's benefited me extensively because if I didn't make those mistakes, I wouldn't have thought to consider casting a wider net, larger industries for the concept. So uh, I learned uh, uh, through these not only exotic birds, but some of these companies that I looked at, it talked about uh, kids learning how to code by making a learning product for your bird. So already, just because of this mistake of not talking about a pet bird, I found two other categories that would enlarge in the space. Again, small pet is very small. Exotic and wild birds is, there's probably no market there either. But a STEM or a STEAM kit for kids, that is huge. That is a massive market. That is, is in the arts and crafts category within the toy and game industry. That's a very, very large category. If I hadn't made that mistake, I wouldn't have seen how much larger this product could be used for by being open about the concept and by making this mistake. And you're gonna always make mistakes with ChatGPT. No matter how skilled you are at it, there's always gonna be holes that are going to be there um, because you're not talking with a human, you're talking with data sets. So then I ran it again. And I explained that uh, it had the error and it said, I apologize for the error in my previous response. I corrected it and said, I'm talking about pet birds. Um, and it came up with at least a better list at this point. Here's another example that I went through ChatGPT. The prompt was, give me an example of instructions for a card game you can play that involves players starting up their own restaurant that includes sabotage customers, a menu, decor, buying ingredients, and advertising of the restaurant. And of course, this is what it came up with, a pretty phenomenal example, just like we did, called Restaurant Rumble. You guys can take a look. It's basically what we just did of explaining the how to play. 
Of course, there's going to be a fair amount of elements here that don't make sense. So please, please do as much critical thinking as you possibly can. Anytime you run a prompt, whether it's art or whether it's text, you really, really want to make sure that you, one, have a really good prompt, and two, you don't just take what it's saying. You really think about, does it make sense for the game? Does it make sense for the product? Um, and you really want to make sure you continue to add that human element into it. So that's one example of the hit list there um, and coming up with a, a game. Let's talk about uh, coming up with an idea. So first, I picked a category, pet products. I tried many different prompts that were uh, specific. I told it to act like a type of person, as I told you guys before um, in the prompt engineering section. I chose to get more specific and said a dog instead of a pet. Um, I told it to come up with many ideas. Um, and then uh, I tried regenerating the response, uh, but found, uh, yeah, that they were mostly electronic items. So I corrected it and said, I don't want electronic products. And you can see these are some concepts um, that it came up with off of me continuing to get deeper and deeper off of that particular prompt. So off of this, okay, great. I've got five here. And I spent some time with it. Um, and you can see here, uh, I changed it to that are not on the market. Okay, products that are not on the market that don't involve electronics, that are simple yet creative ideas where you can play fetch and bond with your dog. So I continue to get more and more specific to get better and better ideas. I kept going and I found this one to be interesting. So I use this as our example. It's a Frisbee with built-in water bottle. It can be used to hydrate the dog during play. The Frisbee would be made from lightweight, durable materials and would have a comfortable grip for the human to, human to hold. Pretty hilarious for the human to hold, not for the person to hold. The water bottle would be detachable and easy to refill. Great. No electronics. Decently simple product. Let's move forward with that and see what we can do with that concept. Uh, then I started researching it. Does this product exist? Just because uh, ChatGPT said it doesn't, doesn't mean at all if it really does or does not exist. So then I paused and did my own market research. I took a look to see what was out there and I found these two products, which were the closest to my product, but still these are water uh, toys and it doesn't actually hold water for your dog to drink. So uh, luckily it was not out there. I thought it great, good enough to keep moving forward with. Did of course my own keyword search and patent search. Uh, and then I um, asked it questions deeper to see what it would come up with for market research. I asked, what is the closest product? And then it, it talked about a couple of them that are on the market and that aren't on the market anymore. So some I could not find. Remember, this is data from 2021. And then some of them were not similar. And then it, it continued to, I kept running the prompt to get what I was looking for, found these two products, couldn't find anything else, and went ahead and moved on. Now that I've created my concept, let's go ahead and create some images. So that's what's so cool about this is you're using them both together. So we figured out what product we wanted to move forward with to play with. Then we figured out like, what is the product? Like make sure we understand what the concept is and it makes sense to mess with. Now, what the heck does this thing look like? Let's jump over to various programs where I'm gonna show you guys the different ones that it created off of the different programs. I took originally um, what it said and it asked it to um, give me an example of a good prompt to use for an AI art program. So now that I've done that, I took that that you can see right here and I edited it to make it a little bit better. And then I ran some photos in the programs and then I continued to make it a better and better prompt. And I'll talk to you guys in a second of like how to really make those prompts really strong. Here are some of the images they came up with. 
So uh, talking about uh, my stable diffusion on my Google Colab on Google Drive, uh, the whole hugging face thing I was talking about, these are the images that it uh, came up with. You can see through Crayon, the program we were using before, these are the images it came up with from that. Of course, I, I ran the prompt a couple of times. Every single time you run the prompt from an AI art program, it will never give you the same photo again. We make that super clear. If you use the same prompt, so this prompt here, this one that I ended with, the Frisbee, this one here that I'm highlighting, if I take that prompt and I run it into Crayon and it propagates nine images, and then I press run again, it will have different images. You will never get the same image ever again unless you add in the seed, which I'll, I'll explain what that is and how it works. We're getting an advanced uh, a deep dive here. So I messed with it a bunch of times. I tried different prompts, and then I came up with those two for Stable Diffusion and Crayon. Once you find a good art program you like, you don't necessarily need to run them with a bunch of different programs. I just wanted to show you guys the quality that it came up with when using Stable Diffusion and using Crayon, as well as these programs as well. Um, I use Dream by Wombo a lot. Those are the ones that came up with, and you can choose different styles. So I ran one in HDR and then the next two in Realistic. Those are my two favorite ones. Dream by Wombo, you can use on the computer as well as download an app for. I also used a new one called Creative Fabrica Spark, and those are the images that I came up with as well. And then I went ahead and ran two more programs, uh, Midjourney, which I'll, I'll get a little bit deeper into, um, and then Lexica, which is the one I showed you guys earlier, just these three on the bottom. I messed with the prompt a lot with Midjourney. These all four sets of images, all of these are all Midjourney uh, created images. Midjourney is probably one of the best, if not currently the best detail oriented AI art program there is out there. However, you only get so many credits and you eventually run out of credits and then you have to decide if you want to pay for it. It's also much harder to get up and running because the, the prompt engineering is done a little bit differently. It's harder. I probably generated far more images on Midjourney to just get these ones to look good compared to the other programs. This quality is way better. However, for you to really understand prompt engineering and how to properly do it with uh, Midjourney, uh, it's going to take you a while. So if you're serious about it, if you're going to embed this into your business, uh, then go ahead and, and start learning how to use Midjourney. Uh, elsewise, I'd recommend the other programs. Also, with that said, uh, you are using Discord for those of you who are familiar with Discord. It's a, a community um, and it is uh, public. So you have to use public uh, uh, Discord, um, which means any image you put out there is publicly disclosed, which is a problem for our industry. So you can pay, which I'm not sure is like for like a good one is like 40 to $60 a month, month to month for having your own private Discord server to be able to run Midjourney on. So again, you can play with it. You can get a, a free uh, account. Uh, you can use up your credits and mess with it, mess with things that aren't your products because it's just going to go into the Discord server and it's going to be public. Amazing program. I personally, my own opinion is though it's so high level, I still do not recommend it because it is not open source and it can get pretty pricey. So unless you're very, very serious about it and you're going to use it to truly revolutionize your business and also really deeply understand how to properly prompt engineer with Midjourney, I usually just don't recommend it. Okay, this I would say is probably the most important slide in the entire presentation, and this is a, the prompt guide. It's 
Uh, this took me a long time to, to find the proper information to show exactly how to create the best prompt. There's going to be so much more prompt engineering that's happening. And even then, so we're still in the very beginning stages of artificial intelligence. So this is also, I, I completely would assume, is going to change over time. Uh, you can see popular terms that you can just copy and paste um, and use at the end to make any image really nice. Like whatever your product is, once you do it, put ultra realistic or octane render or cinematic. Um, there's all different technical terms, which all mean certain things when you get into um, an art creation with prompt engineering. So I won't go too in, into of what uh, Unreal Engine is and ArtStation and whatnot, but feel free to uh, take a look at those and try those within your prompts uh, uh, towards the end of it. There are four different parts of a prompt. You can see this is kind of the best example here um, in white, um, what's going on uh, with those four. You've got the content type, style, description, and composition. So here is the content type, a photograph. So a uh, content type frame, same thing. You can see here, this is the frame. Um, here are four different examples of keeping the exact same prompt, but just changing the frame. So this is an oil painting. This is a digital illustration. This one's hyper-realistic and that's cartoon. So if we kept like woman look picking up a product in the grocery store, but in the front of it, we said an oil painting of a woman at the grocery store and then tried a cartoon version of. So that's the first thing that you'll want to do. What type of style, uh, bad uh, a term there because style is something different, but what type of feel are you looking for? And put that in as the first thing you put in your prompt. Uh, second is the subject. So what do you actually you know, want an image of? Are we talking about your product? Um, what kind type of photo do you want to generate? What is the actual uh, context, the substance? So you can see examples here of a teddy bear on a playground. A teddy bear on a playground would be the subject. A style um, uh, also goes into your yeah, tone and the artist. So you could say in the style of Van Gogh. Uh, you can say like serious, moody, so you can mention someone like Van Gogh, or you can go ahead and like give like mention a particular tone. And then the seed. Now this gets a little bit technical here, so we'll, we'll run past this a little bit quickly. Uh, I believe seed is going to be the thing that, in my personal opinion, what you will eventually be able to um, sell to people. I feel like this is going to end up being basically the uh, important a barcode so to speak off of a set of images that you propagate so if you had in a seed from a recent prompt you created to keep similar pictures being reproduced with small prompt changes such as these four seeds right here if i just kept this seed which you'd put in it's a number it's a long number you can see kind of small there uh, if i said blue shoes with the rest of the prompt it'll keep that exact same style but just change the color. So let's say you like those angles, but it's orange. Like, yeah, you could take it in Photoshop and change the, the shoe from orange to blue or just add in the seed and change the color to blue or keep the same style and have someone's legs in it. So seeds are, are becoming very, very important because remember, you can't reproduce an image ever again. You cannot produce the same AI image ever unless you have the seed. The seed is like the, the data set behind it. So seeds become incredibly important, especially when we're talking about intellectual property. This is an example of what stable diffusion looks like, again, on my Google Drive. Um, you can see here, this is, is what it looks like. It might be a little bit small. Uh, this is a deeper look at seeds. Uh, again, a, a good example of it is the code behind what you generated. So without copying um, 
uh, the seed, uh, a past seed, um, you will get a new image every single time, like I mentioned. If someone has the seed to your image, they can recreate your image. Elsewise, it can never be recreated. So think of it like the key. It's, it's the key to that image. So um, we talked about negative prompting a little bit. Um, these are sampling steps, um, which we can go into um, at the end if interested. Um, it's how many it's going to be showing um, of it being generated as it's forming properly. It'll show you so many steps as it's forming. Uh, and there's the seed. Uh, you can see it down here. It's a bunch of uh, numbers there. So let's see what it looks like when we keep the seed. I copied the seed and I, I kept it here. I changed the prompt. So here's the Frisbee in blue, a solid blue Frisbee with a thin middle transparent strip around it, et cetera. And uh, you can see the different examples here of they all have very similar styles because we kept the seed for each one. So you can see there's the purple ones. You can see they're very similar to the blue ones. I ran another one as well of like a blue and gold one compared to like a red and gold one. You can see a lot of them have a similar feel to it. So if you love the image and you need small changes, you want to keep the seed because as soon as you press regenerate, that seed is gone forever. And one more technical thing for you technical folks out there, uh, a CFG scale. Uh, this information was very hard to come by. And uh, of course, this uh, presentation is incredibly extensive to make sure that if you guys are serious about using this tool in your future product development, that you do understand a CFG scale. So you can see there's a bunch of numbers here and based on what number that you pick, it's changing uh, what the image actually looks like. So it is the scale of zero to 30. The higher the number, the higher the fidelity in matching the prompt. So it increases accuracy and realness, the higher the number, but also the higher the noise and lower the quality of image. So you can see 30, like what even is that? Like this is supposed to be a Frisbee. Like you can't even, it looks like a shell at this point, like a beach shell. Uh, and that's 30. That is 30 that is generated on, on the CFG scale, which is just a slider. You can you can type in the number for every image for almost all uh, uh, programs out there. The sweet spot is 7 to 11. If you're learning how to do this, just keep it at 7. 7 is, is a pretty good place to uh, uh, stay uh, for now if you're not familiar with it. You can see this is a prompt that I created to create all of these different ones. And you can see that is, uh, I just skipped a couple of them to show you uh, the different scale for it. So we'll quickly go through a couple of uh, other capabilities of AI art. Uh, in painting is uh, on the newer side. Um, you can erase and apply an image inside an image. So you can see here this um, woman here with the tan coat. Um, this is the original image that I created. Uh, and this, these are just samples. I did not create uh, these ones down here for in painting and out painting. You can see that just by changing the prompt using what is called in painting, you can change what she is wearing. Keep it exactly the same just change it slightly. So let's say you have a product, a, a baby toy, and it's a circular uh, ball. Um, and you want to have like a little a weasel popping out of it, going up and down from it. Great, you take that ball, you use in painting, and then you say, now add a weasel popping out of it. So it looks exactly the same. It's not like 20 different images that look kind of like a disfigured ball all across. Uh, you want to keep it the same so you can add different elements onto it. I feel like in painting is going to be uh, pretty uh, impressive and popular in our industry as time goes on. Outpainting is quite the opposite. So instead of applying an image uh, inside and erasing something, we're expanding outward from an image. So this is the original image here. 
So without painting, look, you can see an entire room there just by using out painting and having it expand out of what could the room look like that they're actually in. And then there's image to image, which is editing an image that you upload. So this is uh, my friend Sally. Um, and uh, this is where it got really popular with Lenza. For those of you who are familiar with Lenza, this is where the whole AI art fab kind of started with the app Lenza. Uh, Lenza does use stable diffusion as the model. Uh, and these are, you upload like 30 different images of yourself. Here are two images she uploaded. And then it'll, um, you know, remake like a, a headshot, so to speak, um, in different art styles. Limitations and biases. Uh, there's a lot here, and these are honestly just the most important ones that I think that um, are important for our industry that I should bring up. There is more to this. So the age of the database has been updated. This is for all artificial intelligence. It's only as good as its data set. Uh, and so with that said, a lot of it is old, like with ChatGPT. It's September 2021, so it's already pretty far behind. A face distortion, that's the, the biggest one. Uh, you can see here in crayon, I, I ran a prompt. I'll make this a little bit bigger for you guys. Um, you can see I was uh, trying to render a stuffed animal um, and you can see what the prompt is and you can see if you look closely, uh, some of the faces are a little bit mangled. Um, there are some programs that are better for faces, but in general, it's better to Photoshop faces um, into it if you are going to create like a, a type of uh, stuffed animal or something that that has a, a face in it like maybe a person using your product you need to be a little bit careful with that it looks a little bit disfigured it can be a little bit off-putting as well text in, in photos it's also really bad you can see here that it's a, a star trek language here uh, a little bit uh, uh unlegible those are not words at all um, that's not a language. Um, it's really bad at that. So you would need to, if you love that image, you would need to go ahead and find a way to remove that text and add something that you're looking for. Uh, ChatGPT, I would not recommend using it for facts. Um, it's quite inaccurate at times and it does have a bias. Uh, I love how they uh, say this. Um, it hallucinates facts. More and more, this is a term that is using heavier in AI, that it hallucinates facts. Uh, and then it has quite a lot of reasoning errors as well. Uh, privacy is a big concern as well for what we do. Um, so you always want it every program you use. If you're concerned about that, you should definitely read the terms of services for each program. Of course, again, as we were talking about mid-journey, it uses a public Discord server and is therefore public unless you pay for your own server. Uh, IP and ownership. There's a lot of conversations about that. Holy cow. Who owns these images? We make them. Do we actually own them? What is the deal with that? There's a big conversation around that. And I just took very, very small snippets of it here to kind of get a feel for it. Uh, copyright law does not protect AI art as the actual art isn't created by a human. So it cannot be protected as it quote unquote lacks the human authorship necessary to support a copyright claim. That is from the US Copyright Office. Uh, there's a phenomenal article, it's phenomenal, uh, about um, AI invention being rejected by every patent office globally. Someone was trying to protect something that was AI generated, and the article is amazing. So if you are fascinated about that area and can you patent something that an AI created, take a look at that link and you'll learn quite a lot about so far the one case study that uh, made it pretty public. Uh, you can sell the AI art you create, which is pretty cool if you're in that kind of area of, of art, the artwork business. 
my personal guess is that seeds um, will be protectable in the future and you will eventually be able to, because you are making the prompt, the prompt is created by a human. I believe eventually my own guess here is that seeds will be protectable and we will be able to put IP around seeds. Uh, Wippo uses uh, the World IP Organization. They use AI already. So if you guys are interested in Wippo and how they use it, there's a link there that you can check out uh, about um, them talking about how they use artificial intelligence. And then when using it in a cell sheet or a slideshow, this is just, again, my personal opinion, is I like to have in small text in the footer of whatever I'm showing created with the help of AI. That is my own personal integrity that I find is important to write that on anything text-based or image-based when I'm using AI. It's up to you guys how you want to do your own work. I feel like it's important for me to be able to state that when I'm using artificial intelligence, when I'm sending it to companies. Uh, we use the same rights when placing AI art in your cell sheets as using Google Images uh, via often at InventRight. We have a disclaimer that we recommend putting on a cell sheet. Um, that is about fair use, and um, we can absolutely use that disclaimer after lots of research and understanding this. Definitely not giving legal advice, everyone, but it looks like you can use a fair use regular disclaimer when you are using uh, AI art. Uh, and there's a, the disclaimer down there. Just a couple more slides here. If you guys are fascinated in this realm, Take a look at the other AI creative tools out there. There's Agent GPT that I was uh, showing you guys about the tasks that it assigns itself. Also, feel free to take a look at Auto GPT, though I wouldn't go too deep into that unless you know some Python coding there. So I would stay away from that unless you you already know how to code in Python. These are just some phenomenal examples um, of uh, different programs out there. You can improve your resume and LinkedIn profile. All right. So there's a big deal there for our LinkedIn for using AI to help with that. Brand design, redesigning our workspace. I probably went through probably 150 different programs for you guys to figure out the ones that I thought were of interest to consider looking into for our industry. And that's just 150 of them that looked intriguing and these are the ones here that i i uh, thought were of interest except for this one of course there's 56 different softwares in there um however there's um something called i think it's later in here called there is an ai for that.com uh and there's i think it's up to i can't remember now it's like a thousand or two thousand different ai programs that is incredibly extensive you can search through it's a database of ai programs to sort through and figure out what you want to use so this is not a, a small thing anymore artificial intelligence we're talking thousands and thousands of programs that do very specific and also broad things as well uh this is the one testimonial that i found you guys can take a look at um, for the link about someone using game assets um uh and it getting their game being published this is sadly talking about a digital game this is not a board game or a card game this is like digital assets like icons and stuff a part of their electronic game that they have and then those are two uh, programs that help make videos. They're okay, personally. Um, I, I think uh, videos, it still is um, taking some time to, to get good. What's really important about these creative tools is these are here to help you tap into your own creativity. Again, garbage in, garbage out. Think of each of these as a creative buddy that helps you. Critical thinking is critically important on how to best use them and thinking through if the AI art or copy that you generated really does benefit what you are using it for. Because often 
it doesn't. It's incredibly important that you look at all of that material that it's creating and you're giving it prompts to really think, does it truly make sense? Otherwise, you're going to be spinning your wheels for quite a long time trying to just assume that all of this is, is perfect for the game or whatever you're creating, and it just might not be. So just because it created it doesn't mean it makes sense. It's really important to think this through. And the last slide I've got for you guys is for all of you who are not advanced, for those of you who raised your hand at the very beginning and you have never dealt with AI, this is for you. Thanks for hanging in there through all that advanced talk. Uh, this is a quick start guide. If you guys are like, okay, yeah, I'm hooked. This is cool. I'm not sure if I'm going to use it. I'd like to try it and just see if I could benefit from it at all. This is my quick start guide that I would recommend messing with. I would recommend downloading the app Dream by Wombo. It is free. Um, I would recommend playing with Crayon that you guys were uh, saw earlier and might have been on through this presentation. Uh, I would recommend creating an account with ChatGPT. That's for the, the copy. That's the text-to-text -text compared to text-to-art. Um, uh, I do uh, sometimes, and you can try this if you want to, to use it as help for having a good blueprint or a mock-up for a virtual prototype artist. Um, and unless you can create a really excellent image um, or have like really strong relationships with companies or are an experienced inventor, I don't usually recommend using the actual uh, images on your sell sheet. What I use currently since uh, last year of, I think, November, um, I've been messing with so many programs. And these are the programs that I use. Uh, for uh, when I need to use artificial intelligence. These are the exact programs that I go to. Again, I've, I've gone through so many different programs. This is just my personal preference of what I've found. If I'm doing art on the computer, uh, I use Crayon, Lexica, and then again, I run Stable Diffusion on my Google Drive. If I'm doing art on my phone, I use Dream by Wombo, also a program called Make AI Art and Pixo. Uh, if I'm creating copy on my computer, I use ChatGPT. And if I'm using copy on my phone, I use an app called Ask AI. If you guys are interested in learning more about resources in this area, I've got a bunch of different resources that I've cobbled together here for you guys to uh, take a look at. And here's that database of there is an AI for that.com. Over 2,500 AI programs you guys can take a look at and see. You can categorize it and see if any of them are of interest there. Um, and then uh, a couple other things in relation to the future. Um, this is my prediction. Um, I think it's going to be hard to know what is real and what is fake. Um, there are uh, programs out there that are already starting to uh, pop up where you can put in images and the program will tell you if it was AI generated or not. Shutterstock and Canva and other programs are now embedding uh, AI because it's open source. Companies can just take it and utilize it. Uh, they can now, they're now embedded into their programs, like Canva and Shutterstock are already doing. I believe seeds will become very important. I think having things continue to be open source so everyone has the opportunity to uh, paint the, the picture, so to speak, of what AI could look like for humans moving forward. I think that's incredibly important to continue to have programs open source as much as possible. That's going to level the playing field for everyone, whether you're a large company or if you're a single person. Uh, I would recommend to not spend hours on it. Um, remember, it is still one part of the process here of product development. Uh, just like when I talked about augmented reality um, uh, a bit ago um, at uh, Inventive Groups of America, don't make this your next stuck at the prototype stage. You got to keep moving forward. These are just 
cool tools to use, but don't end up spending years messing with this and not making any movement. You have to get your products out there. So feel free to play with this and mess with this on the side, but don't use this as your sticking point. Uh, it may, of course, yes, it's possible. It could take some jobs away, um, but that always happens with new technology when it comes out. Jobs being taken away is not unique to artificial intelligence. This happens every time. Just talk, think about the Industrial Revolution. This happens every time new technology comes out. So when you hear discussions about this, of, oh, no, like my job's going away. Yes, it is a concern, of course. But that's also the case with all tools in general when they come out. So it's not unique to AI. I believe this, again, is your creative buddy that can help tap into your full creative potential faster. And to close, the last thing I'd like to say is so far, I've had three conversations with three different companies in our industry to ask them their thoughts on artificial intelligence. I had a very large toy and game company. I'd love to say the name of them, but I can't um, I have this conversation with. I had a baby company I talked to, and I had a pet company also. So three different categories. I asked them their thoughts on me showing concepts that have some form of artificial intelligence in it, whether I helped come up with benefits with ChatGPT, or there's some images there that are good inspiration to help them understand the style of the product. Uh, the toy and game company, I said, we currently do not have a policy on it. Uh, and she was saying that in a way of go ahead, like either way, like it doesn't really matter. Like we don't have, like, we're not against it. We're not like, please don't show it um, at all. So they were open to it. And both the pet and the baby company, both of them were like, yeah, it's really cool. I hope you mess with it to make your material better and more professional as an inventor. Remember, critical thinking. You don't have critical thinking. It's not going to come up with a good uh, output there. Garbage in, garbage out. Uh, you want to continue to be professional. Um, and with that said, uh, both the pet and the baby company were already using artificial intelligence in their own products so they were like sure if it helps you go for it like I, we're all for it and they didn't necessarily have a, a policy either but my biggest concern was that companies were not going to be open to uh when there's so much controversy with ai coming out that they would say no we don't want to see any of that stuff it's just we don't want to deal with that because copyright and if the data set is copyrighted of some sorts then if we like your image and we produce a product and then someone says that looks too similar to this ai image because the image was off of a data set that was copyrighted that can be an ip nightmare and so far all three of those three small data set there are three companies uh, did not have a policy, and all three of them were very open to uh, looking at uh, different concepts that used uh, a word uh, or copy AI as well as uh, image AI. This is a, a, a little uh, Easter egg here of this image um, of this uh, inventor with the light bulb. Uh, this is an image that was created by, I believe it was by Dream by Wombo, um, the app. Uh, and this is uh, AI's depiction of this one program and this one prompt of what an inventor looks like. I found that incredibly interesting and, and, and fascinating, um, but figured I'd just uh, uh, throw that up there as a uh, final little uh, kicker. So thank you uh, very much, everyone, and I'll um, stop sharing here. Awesome. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, uh, super fun for sure, a lot of information. Uh, a lot of cobbling everything together. Um, I really want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to be able to really understand what this technology is. 
because once you have those bare bones, all like the seed talk and CFG scale, everything else is going to become very, very easy. And I found it very difficult for me to learn it, that there's so many resources everywhere that, again, I did over 50 hours of work just to understand how AI works. I think it's important to really understand those bare bones before you decide if you think it's worth it to move forward with something or not. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, with that said, um, uh, Stephen, do you think uh, we should answer a couple of questions, see if there's anything of interest here? What are your thoughts? Yeah, thank you so much, Courtney, for that presentation. You know, it's a little overwhelming, right? It, it, it really is. I look at this and go, geez, where do I start with all this? And I know you, you've been involved in it, but I can tell you, you, I think all of us will find something that we find fascinating with it. And I'm using it really to come up with one-line benefit statements, with copy for articles, cleaning up maybe some of my writing. There's things that I'm using that I like. And I think all of us will find something they really kind of like with it. I think the big message here is this. Nothing is going to replace your creativity. <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, artificial intelligence. And what about the inventor? Can it be an inventor? Yeah, maybe yes, maybe no. But I can tell you this, that creative power that you have, that's yours and yours only. This is pulling stuff from the internet or pulling stuff from other data, right? And, and, and maybe turning it and twisting it, it might allow you to see something you wouldn't have seen otherwise. That's what I like about it. It's a tool, right? It's just like a paintbrush or, you know, a piece of clay. It is a tool to play with, to, to really um, enhance your own creativity. So Courtney, thank you for doing such a great job with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I know, Stephen, we wanted to briefly mention about Invention Con and how it looks like it's going to be in uh, May. So anyone interested in that, I'll just put the uh, a link to it. Um, just as a, Yeah, put that link in. Please make Andrew a co-host. He asked for that, too. Um, you guys, the USPTO is doing a great job. In fact, they're doing more and more uh, webinars. There's more classes. There's a lot of stuff. For all of us to learn about using the tools at the USPTO. But the one thing they do, they have this annual event. Um, and I think it's going to be, um, it's actually going to be in person this year, right, Courtney? I believe so. Okay. And that's really wonderful because we've been cooped up for way too long, everybody. So if you're in the area and you'd like to, to get together with other inventors, and if maybe if you've never even been to the USPTO, this might be a great chance for you to visit Invention Con and uh, learn all the great tools at the USPTO. So check it out. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. I've been there a few times. I've actually love it. In fact, I've been there for over, I think the first time was 20 years ago. Oh, come on, Steven. After Courtney's presentation, people are just going to be sitting at home all day long doing AI. Well, <laughs> that, that too. Time that, that, that too. <laughs> Courtney, so, that was absolutely amazing. Um, do you guys want to do a group shot where if you always give a thumbs up and a wave and I'll take a group shot here. So if you can give a thumbs up or wave and I'll take a few pages. Here we go. I'll only take a sec. Keep keep those thumbs up, hands waving. Pages where people are live on video and the rest of the pages people are live. I got it's it. Family. It's the family um, photograph. Family photo. Pretty bunch photo. You know, we, I see a lot of old friends tonight. 
And I just want to call out a few people. Yes, I see some old friends. Edgar, see there. Mark, I see you down there too. Great to see a lot of a lot of old friends. Of course, Celeste, all the way from South Africa. Um, and um, it's just wonderful to see everybody. I see George there and a lot of people. So thank you for coming out tonight and uh, listening to Courtney. I think Courtney is amazing. Does everybody see, say the same thing? Yeah, yes, I would say that too. <laughs> So do we have time for any questions, Courtney? Any any time for that? Yeah, there, there's a couple questions. There's actually not too many questions here. Okay. Um, I just had, there's a, a couple things about, uh, have I used um, using um, AI art in relation to like cell sheets, like using the images uh, just for that? Yes, I have. Um, however, I'm very careful to only do that with companies where I have a, a, a long track record with them. I've been pitching them for, Three, four years and they're not looking for that incredible real incredible nice finished cell sheet I will I've done it for um I think three of my cell sheets I've used it for and again I'm I'm, I'm being very selective uh, uh with that um because it's all all new territory for a fair amount of these companies uh, it's good to kind of tread lightly with that I don't know if I would really consider doing that unless you're like truly an experienced inventor who has a lot of uh uh uh, relationships already built with the companies. What you're, you're saying, it might not look quite good enough for a sell sheet. So Correct. think twice about throwing something in there. It looks really hokey. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Courtney, a lot of questions about um, the getting the replay. Some people join late. Um, so it's going to be housed at the IGA website and on YouTube, right, Stephen? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's great. So look for that. Um, I, I was going to say, hey, can you type your thank yous in for Courtney? But I don't already, think I need to. In. I think everybody already did. I, I want to uh, mention one thing, you guys. These webinars at IGA are really important to me, and I know they're probably important to everybody's listening. But I want to have Courtney back on a new topic because she's doing something that's truly remarkable, right? She has some new strategies to build relationships with companies. And it's remarkable. She told me the other day what she's doing. And I love how Courtney takes a little bit of information here and just blows it up. <laughs> so Courtney, would you come back and talk about how you're getting into companies, how you're building relationships and how you're submitting more and more ideas now, because you, you're just on fire now and, and you're going, you're exploding in a lot of different industries. So please come back, everybody wait for that announcement. We'll have Courtney back and she's gonna give you the latest techniques tips, strategies, that's right, of how to get in to work with those companies. And because when I heard it the other day, I was like, she just took it to a whole nother level again. <laughs> and I don't know, Courtney, if any of your students are on the night, but Courtney is an absolutely phenomenal InventRight coach. You see the depth at which she she cares to provide all the information. And, and I, I'm sure you dole it out in little bits for your students, Courtney, because this was a little overwhelming uh -huh. for somebody that, I've just played around with ChatGBT. I haven't done any of the video stuff, but man, I'm going to go back and, and start playing around with this stuff. It's pretty powerful for sure. Uh, and, yeah. you know, I, I'm really passionate in general, just talking about augmented reality and going now into artificial intelligence. These are all really important tools to see if they help. Just because there's a tool out there doesn't mean that it makes sense for you, especially when it goes into both of these types of topics. I'm here to constantly look at all of these different tools and figure out are these things that we can, when we should consider bringing into our industry, 
or should we not? And that goes with tools as well as different types of pitching as well. And that's how I came across this new method of pitching, which we'll we'll talk about. Um, with me being seven years in this industry, I'm constantly A-B testing different ways to pitch. I'm always doing that constantly, changing my scripts and whatnot. And I just so happened to run into something um, in January that was so beyond a revolutionary. That's what Steven is talking about that has changed my entire pitching game. I've never had more success because of the method the way that I'm pitching. So maybe we'll, I'll come back on for round two. Well, you know what, what I really learned, Courtney, is that that um, words mean everything with regards to AI. So whether you're doing uh, a graphic or, uh, you know, artwork or chat GBT, and I, man, I talk to inventors all the time. They're like, they tell me what it is and I type it into Google and I find it in 60 seconds. They're like, well, I didn't know it already existed. It's like, cause they weren't using the right words. So that's very rudimentary searching but they need to know the right words to use, to use ChatGPT and to use the, the and, and not everybody's good at that, but do you have any encouraging words for them, you know, to, <laughs> encouraging words, to get better at that? If, if they're like, ah, oh, it's not working. It's like, can they look at a thesaurus? You were giving keywords on rendering words you use and stuff. Any advice there? Because I think a lot of people are going to struggle with that. Yes, and that was the biggest struggle that I had of me being very frustrated that this AI stuff is just not advanced enough. Like I just can't use it until I really want to deep dive into YouTube and learn about prompt engineering. And it was me. It's, it's me. I'm I'm the problem. It's it's prompt engineering. It's it's me not knowing what to say. Again, that's why I want to emphasize garbage in, garbage out. You're gonna get bad results because you are giving it bad input. And that's what I love about AI because it's really making you think about your life and how you're living it. Uh, if you do a bad job with something, you're probably going to get bad results from it. Just in general, you being in life with your family, with your job and whatnot. And so I'm so glad you brought that up, Andrew, because when we talk about market research in general, um, a lot of people don't do a good enough job. Exactly as you said, it's, it's already out there. A lot of the skills that you learn of how to do proper keyword searches in your regular inventing licensing life with the regular beginning steps for your product can really go into learning how to properly prompt engineer. You're going to be so much better at trying to figure out what to put in those prompts if you really do a deep dive and how to properly do your market research is definitely the most underutilized steps by far in licensing. People think they've got it. Most people do not. And it's hard to really explain that really intense emphasis on how important market research is and how we'll also help you with that prompt engineering. Uh, but honestly, Andrew, the best advice I could give is one, you just got to get into it. You got to start learning as you're doing it. You need to start putting in prompts and seeing what it's coming up with and trying to um, introspect why that's the case and critically think again, what is potentially going on and then uh, there's lots and lots of resources out there to get you deeper into how prompt engineering works. Bernie, I've, I've got one question before we end tonight. Yeah. We're all very busy. And I know you're really busy, right? Because I know you have a lot of students at InventRight. You have a lot of projects you're working on on your own. So how do you find the time to do the type of research you just did tonight? Hmm. Wow. Uh, I say pure love. Uh, okay. I, I enjoy what I do. Uh, and honestly, uh, I would say if you are doing something that you are paid to do, like your regular job, um, would you do that job for free? 
And that is what made it big for me. Would I do my job for free? If the answer is no, I don't want to do real estate, but it's my job or no, I don't want to, you know, be a nanny. I don't want, okay, then you should not be doing it. And I will have to tell you, Stephen, that it took me probably a good two and a half years to realize how important that one statement is. And I made a gigantic transformation in my life of only doing things that if I was doing it for free, would I do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would, I would absolutely coach inventors for free. I mean, you know, we're talking about this construct here, talking about, we you know, just <laughs> what we're doing. That's, you know, we're going to make that very clear there. Uh, but uh, I love learning about these new technologies because this is how we get better in the industry, helping other people excel. This is so incredibly important and no one's doing this. No one's making sure that we rise above as inventors and product developers. So that is that is gold there. We have to be better because that means more licensing deals. That means a happier inventing community. And there's nothing better to me in my mind than being able to have that conversation and figure out what really matters. I say you should be the ambassador next <laughs> next May for what is it, National Inventors uh, Month. You should yeah, be the ambassador, as far as I'm saying. That Courtney, great job tonight, everybody. And I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. Okay. Amazing, amazing, amazing job. Thank you so much, Courtney. Absolutely. I, it's a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Everyone greatly appreciate also seeing some uh, friendly faces. And I'm sure I will see you guys soon. And if not, I'll see you guys on LinkedIn. Bye, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night.